Daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Chinese Premier Li Qiang leads a delegation to the World Economic Forum in Davos. In Egypt, the first stop of his four-nation Africa tour, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi discussed the situation in Gaza and China's ties with the Arab world with Egyptian and Arab officials. In a phone call with Yemen's Houthi officials, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi has condemned the U.S. airstrikes on Yemen. Welcome to World Today, a news program with a different perspective. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. Chinese Premier Li Qiang is leading a delegation to the World Economic Forum in Davos this week. Game Hui Niu of the World Economic Forum Managing Board says the forum welcomes China's participation. I think we stand a much better chance of addressing global problems and challenges with China's active engagement. Right, uh, and this scope for innovation in policy, scope for innovation in technology, innovation in solutions, business models, is something that uh, we hope uh, and we, we believe that China will be able to actively contribute to, right, uh, and, uh, and be part of the solution process. Uh, and more importantly, to focus on solutions and partnerships. Chinese Premier Li Qiang is also paying an official visit to Switzerland. During a train ride from Zurich to Bern with Swiss President Viola Amherd, Li Qiang said China is ready to deepen cooperation with Switzerland in various fields. He said China is advancing its modernization and is ready to enhance exchanges and mutual learning with Switzerland. Amherd said many Swiss companies have achieved a good performance in investment and development in China and are willing to deepen their presence further in the Chinese market. Now for more, I earlier spoke with Dr. Wang Yiwei, Zhang Manet Chair Professor at Renmin University of China. I started by asking him how he views the current level of relations between China and Switzerland. In the eyes of the Chinese, uh, Switzerland... Uh has at least three uh, identities. First identity as a permanent neutral state. Uh, in the current uh, crisis, in the Ukraine crisis, Middle, uh, Middle East crisis, uh, permanent uh, neutral state can be the hub or bridge for negotiation. Uh, Switzerland now is hosting uh, as a conference on mediation of the Ukraine crisis. China as a P5 country highlights the role of Switzerland. Second, Switzerland is uh, also is a hub uh, center for multilateralism. Uh, Chinese multilateral uh, diplomacy are start from Geneva. So now like Davos and uh, uh, many WTO and uh, uh, Olympic Games and then headquarters in, located in Switzerland. Thirdly, Switzerland is also the hub or symbol of high technology innovation in the finance and the medical. So they have their special relationship with China or the uh, innovation partnership. Um, Professor Wang, Li Qiang said that Switzerland was one of the first Western countries to recognize the People's Republic of China. China is advancing the Chinese modernization in an all-around way with high-quality development. And then China is ready to exchange, enhance exchanges and mutual learning with Switzerland. 
So, Professor Wang, how can Switzerland participate in China's modernization and high-quality development? How does this kind of participation benefit both sides? Well, indeed, uh, uh, Switzerland, as a uh, uh, leading country in the West or in global, uh, recognized uh, People's Republic of China and China's uh, opening and reform. So that's the reason, uh, Professor Swa, uh, the founder of uh, the Davos Forum, as a pioneer of the Chinese opening and reform, as a ten, one of the ten uh, winners who helped China to uh, open reform, especially in the globalization. In the high quality development, which basically the meanings, China is more focused on of the, uh, in the rules, principles, regulations, norms of the participation of the high quality of the uh, free trade zone, bilateral investment treaty, mm. and the multilateral and regional organizations. For instance, China applied to join CPTPP, also DIPA, digital, in a digital level. So China, Switzerland uh, actually cooperate in that kind of high quality uh, because uh, cooperation, because Switzerland, as I mentioned, is the hub of many multilateral uh, organizations and also uh, the innovation center uh, set the rules and regulations as a multi, uh, uh, multilateral uh, diplomatic center. Li Xiang also said that Swiss uh, enterprises have deeply participated in China's reform and opening up process in the past 40 more years, contributing to the economic and social development of China uh, while achieving substantial benefits for themselves. So, Professor Wang, moving forward, how do you think uh, Swiss companies can further their presence in the Chinese market and how will China's uh, modernization benefit them? Firstly, uh, Switzerland, as I mentioned, is a permanent neutral state. So they are not joined so-called decouple, uh, de-risk, uh, in the name of the safety or security challenge or ideology problems from China. Mm -hmm. So Swiss companies kept the neutral uh, role uh, in the current in the globalization. And China and uh, Switzerland fully support economic globalization, multilateralism, global governance, uh, so many uh, European uh, companies put forward so-called China Plus strategy to, uh, we say, hating the risk from China's market. Mm. So made in China for China. But the Swiss companies still emphasize of the one uh, global value chain, one globalization, mm. not in the name of the de-risk or de-channelized uh, global value chain. So that's very important. And secondly, as I mentioned, China uh, and Switzerland also signed MOU on the BRI, the third-party market uh, development, and also uh, in the innovation uh, partnership. So Switzerland uh, actually very uh, advanced financial innovation, medical care, and uh, science and technology, high-quality uh, high development uh, market for Switzerland's companies very crucial for Switzerland, which is a very open, inclusive, and multilateral. Now, Professor Wang, the Davos uh, World Economic Meetings are quite influential platforms, uh, and the 2024 Davos meeting convened under the theme, quote-unquote, rebuilding trust. 
So why do you think the World Economic Forum has chosen this as the theme? Well, what Economic Forum uh, in Davos is a symbol of the economic globalization. So that's the reason every new year starts from the Davos Forum. So this uh, turn uh, as the Ashin, the whole New Year's, okay, uh, we say the keywords, rebuilding trust, at least the three meanings. First, we need trust in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that uh, uh, IMF, World Bank, and uh, UN actually quite uh, pessimistic about this year's economic growth, maybe 2.4%, uh, even less. So we need trust in the future, trust one globalization, trust one uh, global value chain, not in the name of the de-risk or decouple or whatever. Second, we need to trust each other. Uh, given that the uh, Ukraine crisis, Middle East crisis, and there are so many conflicts, uh, regional and global, so we need to trust each other. Uh, this is one family. Uh, that's the reason uh, 2013-17, President Xi visited Davos and also Geneva headquarters of the UN mm. uh, put forward of the uh, international meaning of the Committee of Shared Future. Mm-hmm. So we are one family, one uh, shared future. Uh, that's very important. Thirdly, the mutual trust, the rebuilding trust is between uh, the human being and the AI data. We, we need to take a full use of AI because mm-hmm. it's a, a new civilization. At the same time, also, we need to deal with the risk and uh, the AI probably uh, the bring to the humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Professor Wang, how significant is it that China is sending its premier to this year's Davos meetings? I think the three basic uh, messages that uh, Premier Li will deliver in the Davos Forum. Firstly, uh, Chinese high-quality development and high-level opening and reform. We need Davos. We need uh, embrace of the economic globalization. Mm-hmm. We support one global value chain, one globalization. Uh, it's all lots, lots of opportunities where China will bring uh, to uh, the international community uh, the high quality development and uh, high level of the open and reform. Second, uh, we support the true multilateralism. As I mentioned, Davos and Geneva, uh, they are the symbol of the uh, uh, true multilateralism of uh, uh, economic globalization and global governance. Thirdly, uh, we also highlight the importance of the Switzerland and the, in general Europe, the relations with China. Mm-hmm. So first, uh, uh, actually, visit uh, the rotating presidency of the European Union, Belgium, the Prime Minister just visited China. Mm-hmm. So Switzerland is also in a, in a Euro, uh, it's, it's in the economic uh, free uh, trade zone of Europe. So it's neat. Uh, we support China and Europe and uh, uh, economic globalization. Mm. Uh, one more question. Briefly, Professor, how do you think China's role will be in a global economy trying to rebuild trust in 2024? Well, I think that the first trust that we should uh, uh, bring and we very emphasize is the trust uh, each other, whatever ideology, uh, political systems. So this is one globalization. This is our global community of shared future. Mm. Uh, second, we we need trust the future. Uh, of course, there are many risks, uh, uncertainties, but China is the most uh, a certain power in globalization, uh, and also political power. 
And also we need to trust that we can manage the innovation, high technology like AI, but we need hard up to uh, build the re regulations and global governance in both using and uh, hating the risks of the new technology. That was Dr. Wang Yiwei, Rang Manet Chair Professor at Renmin University of China. Coming up, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visit to Africa. You're listening to World Today. Stay with us. Hello, I am Dr. Digby James Wren, a political analyst and international relations scholar specializing in China area studies. World Today offers unmatched in-depth perspectives on China's politics, economics, business, technology and society. World Today's team of reporters and contributors provides valuable information from all of the world's major economies. I hope you can join me on World Today for the very best insights and news from China, on China and help to build a better understanding of China's role in the world today. Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has signed a plan on further committing to the China-Egypt Comprehensive Strategic Partnership during his visit to Cairo. On the first stop of Wang Yi's four-nation Africa tour, the senior Chinese diplomat also discussed the situation in Gaza and China's ties with the Arab world, with Egyptian and Arab officials. Adele Al-Mahouri has more from Cairo. Egypt was the first stop in Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's Africa tour. He held talks with Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi. Wang delivered a congratulatory message from Chinese President Xi Jinping to el-Sisi following his re-election last month. The Chinese diplomat reiterated China's commitment to support Egypt's developmental aspirations. China and Chinese companies have through the past 10 years had their great participation in Egypt's development efforts. We value what China has achieved in development. It is a role model for developing countries for work and political will to progress and develop. We look forward to benefiting from the Chinese model. The fields of cooperation between us are numerous. Egypt once again reaffirmed its commitment to the One China principle, as well as cooperating with China in resolving regional crises. The war in Gaza topped the talks between the two foreign ministers. We are working with Arab and Islamic countries to cease the fire and fighting. The Palestinian crisis has lasted for 76 years. This is a historic injustice that should not continue any longer. A ceasefire and an end of fighting must be reached as soon as possible. That is an ultimate priority that surpasses any other considerations. Ensuring the flow of aid is an ethical commitment that cannot be postponed. The resolutions regarding the aid to Gaza issued by the Security Council must be implemented. According to the two foreign ministers, lasting peace in the Middle East must be through the creation of an independent Palestinian state. Wang and Shukri said that the international community must endorse a time plan to reach that goal. Palestine, too, topped the talks with the Secretary General of the Arab League, Ahmed Abulrit. Wang's last official meeting in Cairo also discussed means to expand the China-Arab Cooperation Forum so that it can be a platform to support development in the region. Wang Yi's visit saw China and Egypt commit to boosting their bilateral relations throughout the next five years. The two foreign ministers have signed the executive program that will guide the two countries' comprehensive strategic partnership until 2028. Adele El-Mahouri on the Chinese foreign minister's visit to Egypt. 
destinations Wang Yi's Africa tour this year also include Tunisia, Togo, and Cote d'Ivoire. Wang Yi will visit Brazil and Jamaica following his visit to Africa. Now, for more, we're joined by Dr. He Wenping. She is Africa expert and senior research fellow at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Thank you, Dr. He. It's good to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. So we see that China and the Arab League Secretariat issued a joint statement on the Palestine-Israel conflict. I mean, why is it important that China and Arab League、uh, issue such a statement? Well, the importance lies on that、uh, China and Arab League now we all both share the responsibility.、Uh, you see, to uh, uh, offer our opinion about this、uh, hot issue, yeah, hot spot issue right now. Uh, right now, the Palestine-Israel conflict already entered into the fourth month,、mm. and a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, civilians' uh, uh, casualties have been there, and the humanitarian crisis is getting serious.、Uh, you know, serious now is it cannot uh, continue uh, things happening like that way. So I think China, being the one of the per- permanent member in the UN Security Council and the Arab League. Also,、uh, is the leading this regional organization、uh, in the you know central、uh, and in the you know Middle East and also the all the Arab countries. So of course,、uh, Arab League also playing it's a very important role for mediating the conflict and also find a solution for this、uh, new round of conflict between Israel and Palestine. That is why、mm-hmm. uh, now China and Arab League, yeah, we share our. Opinion and the issue that joined this statement.、Mm. Now it's interesting, Doctor He, that one of the points made in the statement was that regarding any future arrangement of Palestine, it is important to stick to the principle of "quote unquote" Palestinians administering Palestine. Doctor He, how do you comment on this, and why is it important to stick to this principle? Yes,、uh, at the moment, this principle shows its、uh, most importance.、Uh, the reason is now there is a saying、uh, from the Israel side.、Uh, now they want to get those people living in Gaza, those Palestinian people, out、uh, of this territory.、Mm-hmm. Uh, even have some negotiation, like with some、uh, African countries, for example,、uh, Democratic Republic Congo, are、uh, saying whether uh, uh, get those、uh, Gaza people, Palestinian people, you know,、uh, resettled. Uh, like in Africa,、uh, in Democratic Republic Congo, so this kind of、uh, idea is totally, you know,、uh, unacceptable、mm-hmm. uh, for not only for Palestinian people and also for like Egypt,、uh, like、uh, you know, even Arab League, other countries, even the United States.、Uh, recently, we know the State Secretary Blinken also visited uh, Central, uh, Middle East Africa country. And also、uh, visited uh, Israel, talked with、uh, Netanyahu. So the White House opinion saying this is also very bad idea.、Uh, it's、uh, not acceptable at all. So at this moment, especially under this background,、uh, this Palestinian should administering Palestine issue.、Mm-hmm. I think shows its most importance. You、mm-hmm. cannot make any plan like behind、uh, Palestinian people, behind Palestinian their own authority. 
Well, on, on the relations between China and Egypt, Dr. He, Wang Yi met with Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi um, in Cairo. In their conversation, Wang Yi said in the past few years, China and Egypt have continued solidifying political trust and bilateral ties between the two countries have moved to the best level. So in 2024, what issues do you think will be priority areas for China and Egypt to work with each other on? Well, I think the most important issue will be remain the economic cooperation, political mutual trust, and also like a tourist industry recovery for Egypt. Uh, we know the President Sisi now got his re-election, and uh, he quickly came out with a lot of a plan mm-hmm. saying how to bring back the foreign tourists, yeah, bring back uh, those foreign revenue and also foreign investment, because now Egypt is suffering uh, those economic slowdown. And also are uh, running out this uh, foreign exchange uh, this reserve, so they need uh, more investment. They need uh, this uh, tourist industry coming back uh, with a lot of this uh, like uh, pyramid, uh, those uh, historical sites. Now short of visitor, uh, this is not a good thing. Uh, can be continued. So that is why now China Egypt, yeah, we will further, uh, you know, uh, make a one belt one road initiative. And Egypt in their 2030, uh, this development vision now to integrate with each other, uh, synergy each other, and also like uh, we uh, establish more other, you know, now expand our relation uh, this uh, uh, area from traditional infrastructure uh, like building and from traditional uh, the people to people communication like uh, many Chinese and uh, Egyptian, you know, this uh, exchange students. Uh, getting more and more. Now we even enter into uh, like uh, space, uh, you know, space industry cooperation. Mm-hmm. We have been helping uh, Egyptians to launch the satellite. Uh, now it's number two satellite. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, uh, getting into like a digital economy cooperation, uh, those uh, like nuclear power, uh, this uh, development. So many new areas also have been expanded. Mm. Dr. He, this Africa tour by Wang Yi marks that Chinese foreign minister has made Africa as the first place to visit in a new year for 34 consecutive years. Uh, As China adjusts its foreign policy with the world constantly changing, Dr. He, does Africa's place change among China's foreign policy priorities? Why or why not? Yes, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, foreign minister's first overseas trip has been always put Africa as the first. Uh, place since uh, you know 34 consecutive years habit uh, this tradition has been consistent and doing this thing itself already proves that Africa has been always a uh, kind of a uh, priority you know for our general diplomacy mm. uh, Africa you know we have been enjoying a very strong this uh, traditional friendship and also given uh, some uh, hardship time, Africa always supports China in a very steady way, uh, vice versa. When Africa suffers, you know, like pandemic or like some, uh, you know, uh, this economic slowdown. So whenever, uh, what kind of uh, hardship they are suffering for, also they can count on China's support, uh, as always. So this kind of uh, mutual supporting each other, uh, you know, very strong friendship. Now we are getting into the new phase, that is Belt and Road Initiative, and African this uh, 2063, uh, this agenda put forward by African Union as a whole, are uh, guiding this continent that yeah, developed forward. Now they are doing their African uh, modernization. 
And then China now also is building our China style uh, modernization. Now we share all those experiences for develop ourselves. So I think uh, this is exactly why uh, you know our relationship uh, can stand all those changes among uh, you know in the world. Uh, this uh, Mm. So Africa's place among China's foreign policy priorities does not change. Hasn't changed at all. Mm. Thank you. That was Dr. He Wenping. She's Africa expert and senior research fellow at Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Coming up, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi has condemned U.S. airstrikes in Yemen. We also take a look at the latest economic figures in China. You're listening to World Today. For further discussions, you can follow us on the X platform at CGTN Radio. We'll be right back after a short break. Chief Economist of Hang Seng Bank, China. The World Today is a real fun program. You will hear interesting people discussing global trend, economic event, what's happening in and outside of China. So, friends around the world, hope you can join us. Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi has condemned the U.S. airstrikes on Yemen, saying the attacks revealed what he called the true aggressive nature of the United States. Iran's official news agency RRNA reported over the weekend that Raisi made the remarks in a phone call with Yemen's Houthi officials. Raisi also said supporting defenseless Palestinians is the principled position of Iran. On Sunday, the Houthis claimed that a warplane of the U.S.-Britain Maritime Coalition hit a camp of the group in northern Hodeida, Port City. For more, we're joined by Professor Greg Barton. He is Professor of Global Islamic Politics at Deakin University in Australia. Thank you, Professor Barton. It's good to have you back on the show. Good to be back. Thank you very much. Now, Professor, how significant a development is it that the U.S. and the U.K. conducted airstrikes against a number of targets in Yemen used by Houthis? Well, the short answer is it's it's very significant. The long answer is we don't know how significant. Uh, and the reason for saying that is because uh, certainly the, the U.S. and the U.K. crossed the threshold in launching attacks on Houthi bases in Yemen um, with good reason. I mean, they were striking um, the, the support facilities that enabled the attacks to be launched on the Red Sea. But we don't know whether this is going to lead to escalation. The intention is very clearly not to lead to escalation. The U.S. and the U.K. don't want escalation, nor does Iran, uh, which is a, a major backer and patron of the Houthis. Uh, but but mm. despite good intentions, uh, you, there may be unintended consequences. So this could be the tipping point. Uh, hopefully it's not. Um, but, but certainly there's a crossing of a threshold to, to go ahead and uh, to no longer stand by when Houthis are launching these attacks, but to strike back. Mm. Why did you say that the, this, this, uh, the intent is not to escalate by the United States? 
Well, everyone, uh, and this is this is sort of a, an open secret, as it were. Everyone loses with escalation. Israel is stretched thin, doing what it's doing in Gaza, and mm. arguably um, not not succeeding. Uh, certainly not in its long term strategic interests. Uh, it, it can't afford to engage in further conflict either to the north with Hezbollah or to the south with the Houthis. Uh, the U.S. is also stretched thin. Um, the U.K. even more so. Uh, the real danger, of course, is that when we talk about the Houthis, Hamas and Hezbollah, although they have their own agendas and their own priorities, and they do their own things, including the October 7 terror attack launched by Hamas. It apparently wasn't coordinated with Tehran. Nevertheless, uh, they are proxies of Iran. And uh, it, it's been very convenient for Iran to run these proxies also in Syria and in Iraq. Um, Iran has really benefited over the last uh, decade or so in terms of extending its reach. But that um, mm. that's not necessarily a sustainable position. Mm. If we end up with open war with Iran, yeah, that would be devastating for Iran, but we're devastating for all involved. I mean, it's 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 mm. the worst option of all, and that's why everyone is worried about escalation. It's not because there's an intent to escalate. It's because uh, history teaches us that wars start with things cascading and spinning out of control. Indeed. Now, Professor, how do you comment on the reactions of the Houthis and Iran so far? Well, the Houthis are, I mean, we need to understand that the Houthis within Yemen, uh, a country of 20-odd of million people, they, they rule two-thirds of the population, and they do so in a very savage and repressive fashion. So they're not, they're not popular in Yemen. Um, they are a kind of mix between a militia and an organized crime group, but a very effective and powerful group. Uh, Saudi Arabia and, and the UAE went to war with them for eight years, but didn't succeed in, in, in quashing them. So we'd expect that uh, the Houthis will maximize on their symbolism. Um, they're presenting themselves as defenders of, of Gaza and of the Palestinians. The truth is much more complex and, and, and less savory. Uh, but they will double down on this um, this propaganda and spin. And Iran, of course, which absolutely backs the Houthis or that doesn't control them, um, will throw its arms up in the air and say this is horrible. But, of course, in both cases, there's a, a lot of... Uh, um, disingenuous um, spinning and, 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 and propaganda making, I mean, on all sides, really, frankly, in this conflict. On early mo- Monday morning, the U.S. Central Command said in a statement that the U.S. Navy Air Force shot down an anti-ship cruise missile by the Houthis in Yemen toward a Navy battleship uh, in the Red Sea. How much disruption and risk will this bring to the situation in the Red Sea? Well, it comes at a time when there's already massive disruption in the Red Sea. What the Houthis have shown is that they can use weapons that are not easy to counter. I mean, this was a cruise missile that was shot down by a U.S. aircraft, apparently. Uh, and so that's good from the U.S. point of view. But the Houthis have been using small drones and, and multiple missiles in a way that's actually quite hard for naval vessels to defend themselves against. Uh, and when they do, it involves using very expensive defense measures so they have limited resources. It's, it's actually quite a complicated situation. But we have the reality now that, that a majority of traffic through the Red Sea and therefore through the Suez Canal has been diverted to go the long way around Africa, adding uh, significantly to expense and uncertainty. So from the Houthis' point of view, what they're doing is working. Uh, whether taking on a U.S. Um, naval vessel and openly engaging it is, is good or not is not clear. But, of course, what the Houthis are saying is, um, you know, come and stop us. And if the U.S. can't stop them, um, then it actually, it actually perversely makes the Houthis stronger. So it's it's not a simple calculation. It's not like this all-powerful um, U.S. naval presence 
has absolute control. It's it's fighting weapons that are very difficult to defend itself from. Mm. Well, the Houthis、uh, said in the very beginning that they are doing this in supports of uh, uh, the Palestinians in the Israel-Palestine conflict.、Um, looking at that bigger picture, Professor, last week South Africa formally accused Israel of committing genocide against the Palestinians and pleaded with the United Nations top court to order an immediate halt to Israeli army operations in Gaza. What kind of pressure will this bring to Israel? Well, it's not straightforward. I mean, the the government of、uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says that they won't respond to any pressure, including from the Hague.、Um, on the other hand,、uh, what we are seeing is an, an increasing focus of international coordination in from Israel's friends, saying what you are doing is not helping you. It's not in your long term interests, and, and it's not in accordance with your values. I mean, we've got a situation where twenty four thousand people have been killed in Gaza, ten of ten thousand of them children. In the last hundred days, but also eighty-five percent of the population is displaced and in urgent need of humanitarian relief. They are on the point of famine. Major diseases are breaking out. If you have a disease like cancer, you can't get proper treatment. There's barely any hospitals functioning.、Mm-hmm. So the world is understandably、um, aghast.、Uh, what's happening with、uh, the South African case in the International Court of Justice? You know. In itself, doesn't automatically change this, but it, it, it's part of this building momentum to say there needs to be a change of leadership inside Israel and a change of、mm-hmm. approach.、Um, wow. mm. The prime minister is in a precarious position.、Indeed. This will add to pressure on him, despite all of his brave words. Every、mm. every day, we're seeing protests in Israel itself. Even though media coverage of what's happening in Gaza is limited inside Israel, nevertheless,、uh, tens、mm. and tens of thousands of Israelis. Take to the streets,、uh, partly to protest against lack of efforts to get their hostages back.、Mm-hmm. 130 people are still held, held hostage in the Gaza Strip, but they're just in horror about what's happening.、Mm. Thank you. That was Professor Greg Barton, Professor of Global Islamic Politics at Deakin University in Australia. This is World Today. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Einar Tangen, a political and economic analyst and senior fellow at the Independent Tiger Institute. World Today is news without the hype and business commentary that is informed and up to date, presenting the facts and asking incisive questions. So, join us if you are someone who needs to know what is happening in China as it is happening. Welcome back. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. The latest customs figures show that China's foreign trade expanded by 0.2 percent in 2023. Exports grew by 0.6 percent to around 23 trillion yuan, while imports edged down 0.3 percent to 18 trillion yuan. The total export value of solar batteries, lithium-ion batteries, and electric vehicles surged around 30 percent to over 1 trillion yuan. Meanwhile, official data show that the country's consumer price index edged down 0.3 percent in December from a year ago. In 2023, the country's CPI went up 0.2 percent, while PPI, or the Producer Price Inflation Index, dropped by 3 percent yearly. For more on this, my colleague Zhao Yang spoke with Qu Qiang, a research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University. So, Professor Chu, the UN figures show that the global trade is set to drop by some five percent last year. And given this backdrop for global trade, what's your take on China's zero point two percent growth in the foreign trade last year? 
Well, 0.2% is not the best performance of China in the foreign trade, for sure. But considering the very rough last year, I think China is probably doing the best among all the counterparts. Well, last year, we really hit a very bumpy road as a whole human being. Uh, we see multiple geopolitical crises are happening. Several wars are going on. Many things happened uh it means there are going to be huge reduction and a shrinking of the international aggregate demand. I think that's the major reason that led to, uh, you know, the decrease, uh, you know, of the international trade. Plus, there's another background is the really high interest rate brought by Federal Reserve and followed by major economy, central bank like European Union, Australia, and etc. So. Um, the high interest rate killed not only the real demand, but also the financial demand because people dare not to borrow further. So leverage ratio has been, you know, decreased. People's future demand also be hold up and choked. So I think this two major reason plus together, it made all the, uh, you know, traditional net exporter faced a very hard time. Germany has negative, you know, trade income. But, and also Japan, Korea, you know, they used to be very good, you know, trade surplus earner. But last year, they all had, you know, a negative income. So China, even though not the best performance year, but still it showed China really had the resilient, you know, uh, economic structure and also is still providing for the world uh, in the regard of the stabilizing of the supply chain and helping the world get out of the inflation. Mm. And talking about China's foreign trade, some standout areas is that uh, the solar panels, lithium batteries and EVs, all they jumped uh, nearly 30% last year. So how sustainable is that? Well, I think China is definitely among one of the leaders and the pioneer in the you know, green initiative, green development of the whole world. And I think that is very, very sustainable because it's called the sustainable development. And plus, probably more than 80% of the whole world and the countries have already made the sustainable development agenda into, you know, as a part of their national development plan. So this green idea has already been incorporated into, you know, most of the country's development I think recently most of the people, especially, you know, ordinary people can understand why, because to take a look at where, you know, the crisis have been happening in the last two years, most of the places are in energy centers. So fossil fuel, not only a source of the pollutants, but also can be one of the major disruptor of our modern economy. So not all countries have oil and, and have gas. So most of the country would like to use cleaner and safer source of the energy for their economy and the livelihood. So that's the reason why 80% of the country decided to switch to you know, sustainable energy. That's the reason why further a Chinese uh, you know, a green trail, like the EV, like the solar panel, and all kinds of this infrastructure devices uh, are very popular among the world. And plus, another reason that China's, uh, you know, manufacturing for the green product itself are very, very strong, uh, mm. low cost, very good quality. So the performance to price ratio are really, uh, are really good. So mm. I think that multiple factor plus together uh, lead to what we have seen. And China is also predicted to take the lead in the global auto exports for last year. So, Professor Chu, how do you explain that? 
Well, I think reason is very simple. Uh, number one, uh, traditional, you know, fossil fuel or internal combustion engine car has been you know, facing some, you know, turning point. As we mentioned, the international aggregate demand has been shrinking, so people are not looking for a new and a bigger car, right? And uh, especially against the high inflation and the background of the uh, you know turmoils, and also uh, oil are getting more and more expensive. And uh, the supply for the oil has become a problem. Just to go to Sri Lanka, just to go to uh, Sri Lanka, just to go to you know Argentina, which is a peaceful country, just go to even Venezuela, a country rich of oil, you still feel how people are troubled of getting, you know, uh, to get enough oil to fulfill their tanks. So I think that's a reason, you know, incentives most of the people try, try to switch into green energy and electric vehicle. Mm. So uh, traditional car sales has been, you know, basically stopped uh, in at a very slow pace. But uh, the EV become a popular uh, among all over the world. Mm. And besides trade, we also have inflation numbers of China. So for the whole year of uh, 2023, the CPI here in China rose by 0.2% and PPI dropped by 3%. So how was China able to achieve what is, uh, you know, still quite a robust pace of growth last year compared to other major economies and yet still keep the prices stable? Well, I think this number, uh, well, actually, uh, for the CPI and the PPI, actually been affected by many, many factors. For example, China is a world factory. Everybody knows it. So basically, uh, the price, especially the PPI in China, does not only reflect the Chinese economy structure, but more reflecting the world demand. So if we're talking about, uh, you know, the world demand has been shrinking, and also, because of the supply chain, certain of the raw materials have been dropping prices. So, Chinese PPI will be definitely, you know, affected. And then that will be extended to the CPI. And plus, Chinese economy just came out of the pandemic. And this is the first year of the full reopening. So, many, you know, structure in the Chinese economy really need to be, uh, you know, reshaped. So, I think this is switching gear phase of time. Uh, just to hold back and to slow down the whole, you know, growth of the CPI and the PPI. But also we need to take a look that, uh, you know, high-end demand is still there. As we mentioned, uh, you know, infrastructures on green economy, on digital economy, on blue economy are still there. So people, especially, you know, most of the countries still need to solidify their energy infrastructures, the digital infrastructures. So this can be here. And also in China itself, because of the reopening of the economy, so service sector actually has been, you know, been very, very hot. Tourism, domestic consumption has already been fully back online and even go beyond. Mm. So this is a huge uh, middle-income group and also uh, the back online of its economy made this country's economy resilient. Mm. So you have this positive and negative plus together and you see this picture uh you know showed in the numbers that was Chu Qiang, a research fellow from beijing foreign studies university speaking with my colleague zhao yang this is world today we'll be right back as one of cgt and radio's most popular programs world today provides listeners with a strong mix of international news and business it delivers in-depth analysis of current affairs and one-on-one -on -one interviews we need the stories behind the news, not just what's happening, but why. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. China and the Maldives consolidated their partnership under the Belt and Road Initiative during Maldivian President Mohamed Muizu's state visit last week. The two sides upgraded bilateral ties to a comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership. The leaders of the two countries jointly signed cooperation documents on infrastructure, the blue economy, and green development. For more on the visit, my colleague Zhou Fang spoke with Chinese ambassador to the Maldives, Wang Lixin.、Uh, we know this time, Maldivian President Mohamed Moise's visit to China is his first state visit to a foreign country since taking office last year, and he is also the first foreign head of state invited to visit China this year. And after the meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and President Moise. The two sides announced the elevation of bilateral relations to a comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership. So, why do you think China considers the Maldives as a comprehensive strategic cooperative partner, and how can this partnership further enhance bilateral relations and cooperation? So, Maldives、uh, is a close neighbor and also traditional friend of China. Uh, actually, the traditional friendship between the two peoples dates back to ancient times. In 2014, President Xi Jinping paid a very uh, successful uh, landmark state visit to Maldives. Uh, during that visit, the two sides decided to establish a future-oriented, all-round friendly and cooperative partnership. And over the past ten years, with the strategic guidance of the leaders of the two countries, our bilateral relations have maintained a very good momentum of development. The cooperation in various fields have achieved fruitful results, which is not only beneficial to the two countries and the two peoples, but also conducive to peace and development in the region and the world at large. So. Our bilateral relations have come to a new level. During this visit by President Moise to China, the two leaders、uh, have decided and also announced the elevation of our bilateral relations to a comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership. I think this is only a, a natural development of our bilateral relations since uh, uh, President Moise. Came to power last November, he has made a very ambitious national development strategy, and they、uh, also express strong support to President Xi's initiatives such as BRI and the Global Development Initiative, Global Security Initiative, and also Global Civilization Initiative. While talking. Presidency's initiatives and the, the ambitious national development strategy of President Moise,、uh, we are facing great potential of cooperation in various fields. So that's why the two sides decided to elevate our、uh, bilateral relations to a new level. That is a, a comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership.、Uh, I believe this elevation. Will open a new chapter of our bilateral relations, and also、uh, inject new impetus 
to our cooperation in various fields and also bring tangible benefits to the people of the two countries. Just like you mentioned, China-Maldives relations have deepened over the past decade. And I think the two sides have also made fruitful achievements in terms of jointly building the Belt and Road Initiative. And this time, the two sides have also signed a cooperation document on jointly building the BRI. So how do you think the two sides can further enhance the high quality construction of the Belt and Road Initiative? During President Xi's state visit to Maldives in 2014, that the two sides decided to uh, have close cooperation uh, under the BRI framework. And uh, Maldives is one of the first countries to join BRI and also one of the first countries that have benefited from BRI. Over the past few years, with the joint efforts from both sides, a number of uh, large projects have been completed, like the uh, China-Maldives Friendship Bridge, Villana International Airport expansion, and also uh, social housing projects in Hulumale, uh, which have uh, brought a lot of changes to Maldivian people, especially improved their livelihood of the local people, and also uh, promoted the social and economic development of Maldives. Uh, to be uh, frank, actually, these projects have brought transformative changes to the Maldives. During this visit, uh, President Moise uh, expressed a strong uh, commitment to the cooperation and the BRI uh, in the framework. So the two sides also signed some documents on the further cooperation. Uh, I believe that in the future, we can uh, have uh, our closer cooperation in the following areas. First is uh, uh, infrastructure construction, like uh, roads, social houses, and also uh, hospitals, which will bring more uh, benefits to the people's livelihood. And also, uh, the second is uh, uh, blue economy, green economy, and the digital economy, uh, like uh, uh, agricultural park and uh, uh, marine economy and also the mm, uh, new energy, uh, also like uh, maritime environment protection. These areas uh, cooperation, I think, will promote the sustainable development of Maldives. The third area is people-to-people -people exchanges, like tourism, uh, culture, education, uh, youth, and sports. Uh, this kind of uh, uh, cooperation exchanges will promote mutual understanding and friendship. I would like to talk about an agreement uh, signed back in 2017, that is the Free Trade Agreement. Well, President Muiz has said that his administration is ready to implement the Free Trade Agreement signed between the two countries back in 2017. So how would this implementation promote the trade between the two countries? Uh, actually, I think President Moise's uh, uh, announcement to uh, start this uh, FTA uh, as soon as possible uh, will help promote the trade and investment cooperation between the two countries. And it will also send a very uh, 
positive and a strong signal to the business community of the two countries. It's on the one hand, it will encourage more Chinese business community to invest in Maldives. Uh, on the other hand, it will also benefit the Maldivian business community since uh, uh, it will have to promote the uh, export of Maldives, especially marine products to the Chinese market. So I believe the implementation of FTA will promote the trade and investment cooperation between the two countries. So uh, I think the business community from both countries are looking forward to an early implementation of this FTA. That was Wang Lixin, Chinese ambassador to the Maldives. That's all the time we have for this edition of World Today. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Thank you for staying with us. Bye for now.